When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Honestly, Daniel, the sick thing is this. The sick thing is this Mkhitaryan is built for the premiership. I don't know if that's necessarily true because we haven't fucking seen him. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. I am Daniel Tulloch. And after the fifth take, um, this is half to the hope after Daniel doesn't know how to speak English anymore. <laughs> Shit happens. Um, we do this every Tuesday. Actually, we record this on Mondays. So for us, we do it every Mondays. But, you know. So basically, yes, you, you, you ruined the whole mystery because everybody thought Tuesday was the golden day, but really, people don't know we do this on the Monday and can't be asked because we're too lazy. So we wait all the way till tomorrow to upload it. So thanks for ruining the mystique. <laughs> yeah, on one, it's almost like we lie to the people every every week. Like, we do this on Tuesday. No, it's really on Monday. But you will hear it on Tuesday. So that's good enough. Um, if you haven't followed us already on Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud as well. SoundCloud. Get, Sound, some, if you don't SoundCloud. SoundCloud. get it. It's very easy. It's a beautiful app for your iPhone and your Android. Follow us. We want to get to 100 followers and like this podcast before finishing it because you know you'll like it even before you hear it. <laughs> How do you know that? This could be the worst podcast or it could be the best. So yeah, go ahead and like no, it. No, it was great. So as I say, just save yourself the trouble. Just like it now. Since you've already listening, because you know it's, it's going to be the best thing you've listened to all week. So there you go. Yeah, I, I was thinking this, this about is like, the highlight of everybody's week. All right, so I, no, I was thinking like we've done twenty-one episodes. That's got to be at least like because we go over an hour sometimes, and we've gone under an hour. You think we've talked for a day, like twenty-four hours of straight football talk? Yeah, man. You know, it's it's been swell, man. It all started off with with the Euros. We we delve into politics, racism. It's it's a podcast that is more than what it says on the team, which is what makes it as well as a prostitute's ass. Never heard that before. But the- <laughs> well, you heard it now. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so follow us on the socials. You already know what it is. Um, you can look in the description of this uh, particular podcast, and there will be links. Um, yeah, follow us on SoundCloud. Are we t- we're trying to get 100, or are we trying to get like 1,000? 2,000. 5,000. As many as possible. We want all 7 billion of you, if we're being We want honest. all fours, every constant, everybody on the planet to like the thing. And that's, that's what we're going for. If not, then we have failed miserably. Yeah. So this week, I think 
the highlight by name brand, you would go North London Derby might have been the highlight game. No, right? no. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, but but really, it but, was all but, about. But, 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 but really, it was about Antonio Conte. Yeah, I mean, baptism. To be honest, look, but you know, to be honest, like which which is the worst it, word? Lubrication, circumcision, baptism. No, 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 but, but do you actually want to bring what I'm actually trying to do on the website or fully is to fully um, explain what each margin and what each name connects to which goal margin. So that I believe the five zero falls into the reincarnation category. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. like one goal is that's normal, but after you get to like three, what's what's three goals? Or have you not worked the science out yet? No, no, no. no for me, you know, I'm actually thinking. I think. Like at the moment, I'm still getting it, but I think four a four zero swing is a lubrication, a five goal swing is a reincarnation, a six goal swing is a circumcision, and a seven goal swing is that, that's probably a baptism. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where we are right now. <laughs> so this is a reincarnation of five. Yeah, five, so, 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 um, which, which 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 could have. Being a baptism because there was some a lot of the way, <laughs> a lot of good good chances at Chelsea. Basically, I mean, I think you know for me, I felt that Everton they screwed up before the ref blew the whistle. Why? Because they tried to match up. You don't, don't, don't change your formation when you're playing against a team that you know are better than than you. Don't do it. It's the biggest mistake you you make. Well, see, uh, West Ham did it. But that's because they'd already been doing it. That was the cop as well. Chelsea were not playing the strongest right. team. That's true. Cup. So what, what I saw, well, actually, just to touch on the North London Derby a bit, Tottenham, they, they switched to a back three. And I was thinking, because they play Chelsea after the international break, is Pochettino starting kind of his back three to match up with Conte already? But then, but then I, I thought back and I was like, Everton, they tried a back three with maybe, what, a week of training? Mm-hmm. Where, Ch- where Chelsea had been doing it for, what, month and a half, two months almost now? So there was no way the players were going to know where to be, where to mark, which space to be in. And Chelsea, it was almost like, you know, kids in the candy store with how much open space they were getting. And it's already a difficult formation to, to mark anyway because you don't see it every day. I mean, for me, I think that I don't think Tottenham looked comfortable with the formation change, because I mean, Arsenal, they found it a bit difficult in the first half of the first half. But as a half wore on, you saw them basically creating those 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 chances. Like, also, Walker hit the post in the first half, mm. and they were getting openings. So, I get what he was trying to do, which is like to, to get a lot more bodies in the midfield and just get some possession, just to kill off the game and kill off and trying to stifle also getting any space and, and stopping the connections from midfield to attack for Arsenal. But again, you know, I, in the second half, I don't think the second half was all oh, Pochettino's tactic working its magic. It was pretty much Arsenal not playing up to standard, and they just dropped. Yeah. Like yeah. they literally, they were just not not in the game. And it's and Daniel, which is why I was saying to Arsenal fans, don't you dare open your mouth and say, "Oh, this is the year that Arsenal can win the the title because it's all crap." Same thing with Arsenal: weak, 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 weak mentality, very weak mentality. I mean that's that's been their problem for what the past decade almost since the likes of Henri Burkamp, Vieira Perez since they left I think you've you've seen I don't want to call it a weak mentality but just they they get down too easily or they can get moved off 
their game plan if they have one. But it is, it is a weak mentality. Easy. If you have a strong mentality, a strong character, and a title rival drops points, and the pressure is on mm. for you to win this, to really gain the momentum, because that's how you win leagues. You win leagues by, okay, man, you know those your title rivals will never slip up. So on the rare occasion they slip up, you have to win. Do you believe in momentum? In what sense? Do you think that one result affects the next one? That, let's say, if, if you win one game and you win 5-0 mm-hmm. or something like this, the, mm-hmm. the next game you're more likely to win it? It depends on your performance. If, let's say, you won 5-0 and the other team had a man's sense of they were playing poorly, you didn't play that great, but it was a weird game where you just had chances and the team were just so bad. Yeah. But if you play really well, things are working. Okay. It's, a, it's a psychological thing that you go into the, the next game full of confidence and those things that you try in a game, they somehow pull off. That's past that you make. You don't even have to need to think about the past. That past is already coming to you by second nature based off your confidence and the belief of the team and it permeates throughout the whole team. So it's dependent on your performance. That's why Chelsea have that momentum. Mm. As in the way they are playing is that everybody's on second nature. Everybody's on the same wavelength. And basically, it's, it's what every coach dreams of, where like, players don't even have to think about what they, they, they want to do. That's the key thing. Everything is just reactionary because everybody is just locked into And that's because of they're playing so well and that good performance now corrects in. So the momentum is going through. The momentum is going through. It will stop and they will meet a team that just stifles them. But at the moment now, come to man, let's just take this to four, to five, to six, seven games, eight games. Because all these points matter. All these points matter. And let's just have a good buffer before we get into that rough patch where, okay, I now need to now do some dirty dealing, tactical makeup to now try, try to get us through it, like the rough patch, which will come, okay? Because they won't do this for the whole season. That's not happening. But he just wants us to last for as long as possible, then now let's not see them get tested when things aren't going well. And not everybody's on the same wave, wave, wavelength. So Yeah, I think they, they go to Middlesbrough and then they host Tottenham and then they have Man City away. So, Ooh. and then the, at, at, other than Tottenham at home, which Tottenham hasn't won at Stanford Bridge in ages, City, the rest of their games before the turn of the year, I think it's eight games, you could see mm-hmm. at least six six wins. I don't know whether you want to segue into this because I still want, maybe we want to talk more about this, but then you're looking at Middlesbrough, a way to Man City. Well, see, well that's, that's why I brought up momentum. That's three points in their sleep. I brought up momentum because Manchester City against Barcelona in midweek, they looked, if people say Barcelona's like the best football team in the planet, then Man- what Manchester City did to them, especially in that second half, would, would have made them the best team <laughs> in the world, especially just for, for that 45 I mean, minutes that they would have taken what they learned or that kind of confidence that they got from the second half or the second 45 playing Barcelona, and that would have translated to Middlesbrough. But it was a completely different game because Barcelona want to play football, but Middlesbrough were just happy with the draw. You pretty much answered your own thing. I'm saying if your opponent wants a different game, the momentum can't switch or can't translate because you're going into a completely different environment. Mm. So that's why I tend not to believe in momentum. As a rule. No, no, no. For me, I, the reason why I still believe in it because that scenario is different because, first of all, you're playing against a team from a different league. You're playing in a different competition. Okay. 
Basically, that's why I don't, I don't really um, connect Champions League games with like league games. You know, I, I keep it in the league. Hence why with Chelsea, you're seeing it going and with Man City, this, this same issue has happened where like against Everton, against Southampton, okay, they, they win one game, but this issue hasn't happened when like they've been finding it difficult to break down these very defensive teams. Mm. And these very defensive teams have one chance boom and then they score. So the Middlesbrough thing is something that is endemic. Like, obviously, like as I said again, momentum doesn't last forever. It will stop at, at, at one point. Hence why Chelsea may meet Sutton or something and get beat like 3-0. It could happen. And then, boom, momentum and snaps. That's just, that's just life. Nothing lasts forever. But I'm saying that with Man City, they've not, they've not yet reached that kind of momentum that Chelsea are. Because Chelsea have a unique kind of momentum based off the switch in their formation and how everybody's playing. For Man City, I don't think they've really been playing as in sync as Chelsea have been. Mm. Do you think that's related to the fact that, as you say, the competitions aren't connected, right? So the Champions League, you, you have to jump from Champions League to mm. to the league, to the League Cup. You have to jump in all these competitions. And if the momentum that you say exists doesn't translate to different competitions, when you look at Chelsea... They got knocked out of the League Cup by West Ham. So the only momentum or the only focus they have is the Premier League. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's easier to kind of carry that kind of um, ethos into the next game. Same it's thing for Liverpool, you could argue. But go ahead. Yeah, because like all Chelsea have is what's it called? FA Cup and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at max, I did, I did the math. The, the maximum amount of games they could play from now until May or June mm. is 33. Or 38? Wow. So it's like six games in the FA Cup and 27 left in the league. So 38. No. I mean, and that. I can't, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't bring me my ticket. Who is the English major here? Um, what did I say? 27? 33, I was right the first time because the three kind of looks like an eight, so that, that messed up my, my thinking. But, yeah, so the, the maximum amount of games that Chelsea can play this season is 33. If you look at City, if they go, they could have six games in the FA Cup. They have at least two more games in, or four more games in the Champions League and then the rest of the, uh, of the Premier League. So you could look at a team that's playing 50, possibly 60 games in a season. No, no, no. For me, that's like for Chelsea. Like, it's a huge that, advantage, especially because Conte's not going to work his players to the bone like Klopp would. But you see, Daniel, there are always two sides to the coin because life is never that simple. It's never a straight line. Yeah, less games, more focus. But there is, I believe there's a benefit to playing in Barcelona, to playing in a Champions League because you know what? It keeps you sharp. Playing these many, many games... It always keeps you on the ball. Whereas like, if you have like four or five days where you don't really do much and then you get back into it, that lull can sort of make you less sharp. You can argue that, but if you look who, who won the league last year, Leicester City, and they had that same advantage. The, the last time Liverpool played well was the 2013-14 season with Suarez and Sturridge and Gerrard and whatever when, they, when Gerrard slipped and they lost to Crystal Palace. But you take that, those two games out, they didn't have any European football that season, and it made Brendan Rodgers look like a tactical genius. And it's because they didn't have the kind of extra wear and tear on their bodies that other teams or the contenders usually have 
when they're competing for a title. So if you look at the Chelsea-Liverpool game that happened when Gerrard slipped, that was sandwiched in between Chelsea playing Atletico Madrid in the semifinal. That's why it was such a big deal or a big upset when they won 2-0 because you really weren't expecting Chelsea who had, well, they weren't out of the title race, but they were out of the title race. It's why it was a big deal because, like, they played, like, Thomas Callis and all these, or non-essential players, I guess. I mean, you could say Frank Lampard or whatever, but they put in a lesser team. And that's going to happen, I think, the, the further we get into this season, where you're going to find, especially teams that are competing in different competitions, it's going to affect the players they can play, the tactics they use. So it's an advantage in my mind that you don't have to worry about playing three games in eight days. No, no, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, well, you know what? We'll see. We'll see because people use that argument as why I should put Liverpool in the title conversation. But I, for me, it's not a strong enough argument. Do you think Liverpool yes. are going to... Well, I mean, at, at the beginning of the year, I said, well, this is going to be a bit embarrassing. I said, I said United would win. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? There's still chance. Uh, no, no, no. Don't... It's dead. Don't in the dab, I believe have, in the I dab. Have no faith. Okay, I said, I said, um, United would win, Chelsea second, City third, Liverpool fourth. So I didn't have Arsenal in the top four. So I think that. Yeah. So I think there are two stupid mistakes in hindsight, which is United winning and Arsenal not being in the top four, right? But do you think Liverpool? I told you. No, 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 no. But you said Liverpool don't have. Well, I don't know if you said they don't have any, but you said it's unlikely that Liverpool make top four. Do you still think that way? Top four is between the last fourth place is between Liverpool and United. Like top three is already has already been done. Like it's gonna be a battle between basically Chelsea and City for top spots. Arsenal will end up getting third. And fourth place is a battle between Liverpool and United. What about Spurs? Nope. nope. <laughs> nope. See, Spurs could get screwed if they get third place in the Champions League group. And then they're put into the Europa League oh, yeah. as the automatic qualifier, and then they're stuck playing Thursday, Sunday. Yeah. See, if they're smart, man, they have to just hope that they should just conjure up a way where CSKA get that there. Because, again, that's just not helpful. Uh, on one hand, Tottenham played well in the Europa League last year. And was it Dortmund that they got knocked out to last season? So, and, and Dortmund were playing some of the best football in Europe last year. So, maybe you could see, like, if we're not going to get into the Champions League, via the league, maybe going Europa's not that bad because there's no way we're going to win the Champions League. So it's just another avenue in that in that sense. But it would, you know, ruin their league form, I think. I thought on just aren't playing to the level that we're playing. Like, like last season, if ever there was a time they could have won the league, it was last season. That was, mm-hmm. that was their chance. And they, and they, I mean, the that, that argument was for Arsenal and Tottenham. You had a one that Tottenham haven't won the Premier League ever. And Arsenal, the last time they won it was 2004. And you let Leicester win. <laughs> like, when are you ever going to win it? I no, I felt that Tottenham had a better chance to win the title than, than Arsenal. I asked them they were never going to win it. Tottenham, they had a great chance. Why, do you still think that Arsenal will never win the league with Wenger? Oh, yeah, no, never. never it's never happened. Never. <laughs> Why? No. Um, because... Are you like, are you against him? <laughs> no, 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 no. As I, no I just, the way that he's... First of all, I look at his age, the way he's built his team. They're a top four team. They're not a league title winning team. When it comes down to it, they will never be able to win the matches that will get them to winning the, the title. But they will always do enough to become top four because he's still a very good manager and he's got a very good system 
suited to winning enough games in the Premiership to come top four. But for winning the title, you need a bit extra to win that. And he, and he just doesn't have... He just, he just is not able to translate that extra juice into his um, players to uh, become title winners. So mm. I don't know if it's necessarily a matter of tactics. I think it's a matter of talent. You know what I mean? Because is, is Sanchez really a player you want to play as a striker? Ideally. Not really. If, if they had gone out and bought Lacazette or Higuain, but Higuain would have been maybe too much money for them. But if, if they went out and bought a recognized center forward who was markedly better than Olivier Giroud, mm. you, would, you wouldn't have played Sanchez up top, would you? Oh, no, 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 no. I said at the very beginning of the season that if Arsenal bought Lacazette, I would say that, you know what, I can put them in the title conversation mm. if they bought Lacazette. But and the thing is that a different like for me, I think even without Lacazette, put a different manager, different coach, Arsenal have the players to win this Premier League. With to win this league, with, win it. with the same contingent of players. Yeah, yeah. So with it's a it's Simeone a or like someone like you know someone like a Ancelotti maybe or even like a Michael Laudrup or something. Basically, someone who doesn't take away the attacking offensive. Mindsets of the of the team, but also brings a bit of tactical discipline, some robustness into the team. Because maybe like a guy like um, an Ancelotti or like a Laudrup would get a few key players just to add some solidity to the team. But he'll be able to maximize Sanchez and Ozo. So in those key games, they'll be able to just get that one zero, get a one zero, get a two to one. Benga doesn't do tactics. I told you he, he, he does. He does. He, he, uh, I'm just looking up the stats here. Lacazette has 10 goals this season. He's he's second behind uh, Cavani in league. Oh. So, no, what I think what happened was Arsenal wanted to buy Lacazette. And then I think he scored two goals or three goals or maybe he's got four in one game at the beginning of the year. And I, I'm forgetting the, the chairman of Lyon. I'm forgetting his name. I think it's Arlos or Arlis or I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But. <laughs> I mean, is this supposed to be like common knowledge, the, the chairman of Lyon? I mean, I mean, I'm, I think I'm supposed to know it. I could just look it up. But he's a very hard person. Aha, uh-huh. Jean-Michel Olas. He drives a hard bargain, basically. So I think he wanted like 60 million pounds or 60 million euros. And you know Wenger's never going to go there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, it's a matter of there may be two players away and a pragmatic kind of manager away. You know what I mean? Basically, you just need someone to add something. Right. Not take away anything, but to add something. Because I told you, a team who, cons- who have been top four for 20 years, surely you can take that team to be league winners. That, 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 that's, that's the crazy thing. Right, it's, crazy it's, it's, it's basically... People who have been top four for 20 years, and have never ever come below top four for 20 years, should be able to have won. We should never have gone through an eight-year period without winning the league. What do you mean eight years? Oh, God. It's been like, what, 11? Or so? um, 11 or 12. 2004. Jesus. So, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. A whole decade. A whole bloody decade. Wow. That's great. Um, but, but see, like, when you say um, top four, that means you're turning two losses into wins or three draws into wins. It's and, 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 and then you probably have enough points. It's not a matter of 
Go ahead. No, no, like it's literally two, three or four games. Yeah, three or four. If, games. if you can turn the results on two or three games and get yourself the extra seven or eight points that you need, there's kind of no excuse why over twelve years you mm-hmm. haven't at least done that once. But but you know, that's why I used this. That's why I was so pissed off in my post match thingy, and um, for this North London derby. That game in particular was just endemic of why Arsenal don't win the league because I'm like, that's the kind of game that they slip up on. Mm. That's the game they slip up on. You know, by slipping up on that is where they just flop. You know, like these are the games where, oh, your city have slipped up, you win. Like last season, I think, I don't know if there's last season or before, this was the point where you could go like, what, seven points clear, you flop. And as soon as you flop, your everything just spirals down. Five points becomes three. Three, three becomes one. One becomes boom. You're now down to second and and, and, and third. You know, it's... And that's, that's, that's how it is, you know? I'm trying to look up last season. And maybe I'll do it. I'll try to type quick. But what I want to see is... They beat Leicester at the end of last season. Uh, do you remember when Welbeck? Well, it wasn't at the end. It was like near the end. Yeah, near the uh, end. When, like, when Welbeck yeah. scored a late winner, yeah, against Leicester, two one. Yeah. So people were thinking, okay, we're gonna win the league. Their their next three results, they lost to United three two, they lost to Swansea two one at home, yeah. and then they drew the North London derby, with, <laughs> where Kane scored the wonder goal from the edge of the box. So they dropped eight points of their next nine after they beat Leicester. And remember, they were the only team to beat Leicester twice. Leicester only lost three games, and two of those were to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So if, if you beat Leicester, and then you, I don't want to say you beat United, and you beat Tottenham, right? But if you don't lose to Swansea, and you don't lose to Manchester United, I'm not sure where they finished in the table, or how many points. I think it was 10 points. That's enough to kind of turn it around, and at least give yourself a chance on the final day. Seven points that Leicester won it by. They they had eighty one. Arsenal had seventy one. But but the point is, you at least give yourself a chance on the last day. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I mean, if you keep looking, they drew with West Ham three three. They drew with Palace. They drew with Sunderland. I mean, there were there were games in the final part of the season to win. They they they, they drop points in three, six, seven of their last eleven games. But, but, but see, that's where, the, that's where we, we can go back to our, our whole mm-hmm. momentum talk. It does, it's, it's not real to me. No, 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 no but, but see, that's why it's like, you would say that surely you would get momentum of a last-minute winner against a title rival. But Arsenal are a very particular case. Arsenal are an anomaly. Like, <laughs> Arsenal go against... So basically, Arsenal basically says F you to science, you know? <laughs> so, the, so you surely... That's what, I thought, this, oh my gosh, could Arsenal actually win the league? Like, when they win, they beat less than our last minute. I'm like, I know. Oh, did they actually win this? But no, it's Arsenal. They'll find a way to go against the momentum, go against um, what should happen, and they will now... I mean, to lose to Swansea? You're having a laugh. You're having a laugh. You are having a laugh, man. I mean, give me a break. Let me click this result and see what happened. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of curious because I don't remember. I remember the result, but I don't remember what happened. All right. Campbell scored the first goal in the 15th minute. Routledge equalized, and then Ashley Williams scored a goal in the 74th minute. 
So basically, you're 15 minutes away from getting a point, and you bottle it. And then, <laughs> in the, and then in the next game, Ramsey scores first. I remember that was a really good goal, a really good flick in the in the North London derby. And then you you allow two goals in two minutes to Alderweireld and Kane. So it's just little moments where you're thinking, this is this might be Arsenal's chance. And then in a period of 10 minutes here, five minutes there, and these particular individual games that might not seem huge at the moment, when you look back and think, if that goes the other way, maybe they get crucial points, and that might keep the momentum if you believe in it. That could translate into the next game. But once it goes, like you said, it's gone. Anyway, also, um, you said Arsenal are an, al- are an anomaly. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, you, you meant that in kind of like a playing sense. But then my, I don't know why my brain went here, but are Arsenal the only club in the Premier League that aren't named after a place? Like, um, Arsenal, this, is Arsenal a place? Yeah. There is a place in London called Arsenal. But I think the actual name sort of comes from... Because not, the, the nickname is called the Gunners. Right. But that would make sense because Arsenal is a place where you get... Yeah, Arsenal, but, but, like, because I told you, like, the stadium is actually near where I live in London. I mm. can actually, like, walk there. And there's, like, a train station called Arsenal. Like, basically, where they used to be, because they moved... So, basically, Highbury was near Arsenal train station. So, there is actually a place called Arsenal. But I think... Mr. Wayne, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I... It could either... Basically, I'm not sure exactly where the name came from, but to answer your question, there is a place... There's a, well, there's a train station called Arsenal. Well, so. is, it, is a train called Arsenal because of Arsenal Football Club? Or, or did it predate the club, is what I mean. You see, that's the thing. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, because, like, sure. I, know, I was just thinking, like, every, every team I think of, it's after a place, but Arsenal just seems like a thing. Maybe Crystal Palace, because I, I know Crystal Palace was a thing that, like, burned down in, like, the 1930s. Oh, no, or no, 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 no. There's a place called Crystal Palace. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's a place called Crystal Palace, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, that's just a weird thing. <laughs> I don't know. Even Avon thought of it as well because I was like, yeah, Aston is a very, like, even basically when, when I was young, when I was young, I thought Aston was just a place, but then when I now knew, I knew about like, the Aston relating to guns and everything, then I was thinking that, wait a minute, everywhere is a place, but for Arsenal, it doesn't have a place. And that's why it's weird because I said there's a train station called Arsenal, but people never say, oh, yeah, I'm going down to Arsenal. They say, okay, right. I'm, I'm going down to, to Holloway Road. I'm going down to um, Highbury. I'm going down to, is- let's see, the borough is called Islington. Islington, yeah. Oh, Islington, but nobody ever says, oh, yeah, I'm going down to Arsenal to pick up my friend or something. Nobody ever says that. Hmm. So, anyway, it's when you said it was an anomaly, I don't know why I thought that. But anyway, um, so I'm looking down at our kind of agenda. Uh, you want to talk Scunthorpe quickly? Um, Scunthorpe. <laughs> no, 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 very, no, very, very simply. Um, Pep, why I think Pep should should, should coach Scunthorpe. So to prove that he's a great manager and all that for why can't he coach Scunthorpe? So literally that's it. And and also and I hope that Scunthorpe make make the premiership before I die. And that's it. So anyway. Uh, so Jose, I, I you, you put out kind of an ultimatum, I think, on the Half Hope Football Hut that uh if he lost to Swansea that he would be in the Brick Academy or under no, no, review? No, no. Oh, yeah, under review, under review. And 3-1, I think. Pogba scored first. Zlatan got a brace. Wait, Daniel, is it me or is it wrong that a player of, in quotes, 
Ibrahimovic's status based on what he says should celebrate like a madman scoring against Swansea. I, like, I don't, you don't need the kung fu kick. I mean, he was like really happy. Well, if you think about it, he hadn't scored in like 10 or 11 games or something like that. So maybe, so, so maybe, so, so maybe it was just relief. And who am I to tell someone how to celebrate their relief? I know but, it's 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 Swansea. Yeah. What what I was gonna bring up was Mourinho's post match press conference, or just post match interview as well. Where Wait, he, why? What did he do? He brought up that some players in the team aren't willing to play unless they're one hundred percent. So what I'm thinking is, and the media, he he didn't he didn't name any names, but media outlets, I think like BBC and. Sky or whatever, they said that the two players he was mentioning were Chris Smalling and Luke Shaw. So I, I think the idea oh, was... that's why Luke Shaw was trending on Twitter. I couldn't tell you if he was or not, but I think Mourinho wanted to play him or play the both of them, but they weren't 100% fit. So Mourinho gets in his post-match press conference and says, you know, Phil Jones played. He, had, he, had, he only had uh, a week of training. He hadn't played in however many months, and he was re- he was a I don't know I don't know the wording he used, but he basically into, uh, intimated that he was a warrior for the team. Basically, he didn't have to play, but he played anyway because he wanted to play for Manchester United or play for the shirt. And Mourinho, he kind of threw I don't know if he threw them under the bus, but it was kind of like a rallying cry almost. Like if you're not willing to play at eighty percent, at seventy percent. For, for not just me, but for Manchester United, maybe there's something wrong or something we need to address. And I was thinking, is this a moment where Mourinho loses the dressing room or is this a moment where he gets it back? Like, for, for me, like, like people, may, people may, may now say that based on him insulting out, um, insulting all of those guys after the Fenerbahce loss, that this was actually a reaction. Mm. So people now say, oh, maybe it was good that Remember, he tried the same thing with Chelsea. That didn't work. When he pretty much insulted and said, oh, well, guys, are not trying. But that backfired. And guys continued to... It was true, though, know. wasn't it? Like, like in that instance, well, it was true. It was, true. <laughs> it was like... That's, that's why I was in such an argument with people in the hangouts on Sunday. Because I was like, for me, I have the utmost disrespect towards Eden Hazard. Oh, you wow. Know? Oh, but just because it looked like he gave up. He was in, yeah. he was injured though, double H. Like he had a bad no, he no, had a bad no. hip injury. No, no, no. I think there were times where it was it was more than an injury. Like for me, I felt that this guy he don't he didn't want to play for Mourinho for whatever reason he didn't want to play, play for him. So, and not only him, but there are many people as well. But I just felt that you know what, there are times where it's yeah. I mean let me, I mean let me get some proof that you really were injured. Let me just get, get some proof. You know, and if you really are injured, don't even bother playing. If if you're if you're not hundred percent fit, then don't even bother playing. But see, well, no, no, see, that was Mourinho's problem. That he he said that he talked to a very good friend that was a tennis player. I don't know who he was talking about, but he said the games that he remembered most, speaking as a tennis player, weren't mm-hmm. the games where he was a hundred percent, but the games where he went through pain. So oh, yeah. it was almost so it was almost like Mourinho calling out the commitment. I don't want to say the manhood because that would be a bit too strong, but he was desire. He was calling out the passion that they had for you know the shirt and Manchester United. And he was always like, if you can't play when you if if the only way you can play is when you're a hundred percent, then maybe you shouldn't be playing for Manchester United. 
And personally, I think that message might not resonate well with the players, but with the ownership, with the supporters, it, it'll, it'll work. That message will fly. Because you have to think, like, fans or people who are intimately attached with Manchester United, by, by definition, a fan is a fanatic, right? Oh, yeah. they, they would do anything to get on that pitch and play for Manchester United, wouldn't they? If I had one leg or if I was in a wheelchair or if I was this or that, they would die for the club. I don't want to say in all instances, but in a few instances. I'm sure people are willing to die for the no, football no. club. So, I'm so sorry, there are some crazy people out there. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, so, so when Mourinho comes out and says, if you're 70%, you need to be able to play. I think that message resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, you might alienate some people in the dressing room, but you're, you're definitely going to get some of the fans on your side. Like, yeah, I agree with him. Like, you should be able to play and play for the shirt because I would if I was getting paid X amount a week. It's a, it's a good thing, I think, that Mourinho did because um, you can't just let everything slide, can you? Just lastly, it is a, it's, a, it's kind of a deviation from Mourinho, though, because usually he uses the media to put the pressure on himself and deflect it from his, from his players. But here he's putting the pressure on his players. Which is why I think maybe it'll work. It's a big maybe because again, like you know, it, this is like a psychological thing, that, and this is this is where you bring in psychologists mm. into the thing of like, for some people, it could be a positive effect, for some people, it could be a negative effect. Because that's why, like, there's this thing on um, football manager, like a championship manager, where like you can either praise a player or chastise a player, either in private or in public. And dependent on the character of the player, it will have a certain effect. So some players pre- prefer you to chastise them in private. Other players <laughs> will actually react more pos- positively if you chastise them in the public and they actually have more pressure upon them. And so let's say sort of like a quieter player, you, you don't want to chastise them in public because that would just have an adverse effect. But a player who is very brash, very outgoing, Egotistical. If you went to that and you actually insulted him out in thingy, and people are running with that, oh no, man, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to prove you wrong. So it's maybe work for a lot more brash kind of, of players. So you know what? I can kind of see how it could be the reverse, where an outspoken player might not want to be challenged publicly, because that would go against their kind of persona, and where a person who's more reserved, yeah, if you challenge them publicly, maybe that can spark them. So it could it could work both ways. The reason why I say you know, is that like because a quieter player to be ousted out in the newspapers and people are because again the whole thing is about being private. So to be chastised out in the open and it's in the newspapers and everything like that, it messes them up. And I think then they will put so much pressure upon themselves, it will mess up their game based off my gosh, I'm a private person. I've now have to now answer these questions publicly. People will now have to now my own manager is questioning me. Having adverse effects, but a guy who is like much more outgoing, outspoken, he understands being out in the public. If he's the kind of guy where if you insult him in the club, yeah, he'll get in, in a fight with you and he's willing to prove to people out there because he, he's out there with people. So if you to if you were to insult him in public, He'd want to say, "Oh, well, because he understands the public sphere because he's he's an he's an extrovert, you know." Mm. I could see that being a, a scenario, but mm. if you insult Ronaldo or Cristiano Ronaldo, for instance, mm. yeah, he might respond, but he's also going to hold a grudge that he might not. No, no, no. He's, he's doing that, that is the perfect example. Like, <laughs> like 
he's the kind of guy like if you insulted him in public, oh, he will sulk, he'll hold a grudge, but you will see a reaction on that pitch. And he would actually want to make a point to you once he scores those goals. Yeah, but having Ronaldo on your bad side isn't going to help your tenure. You know what I mean? All a manager wants is for his team to play well and he starts to play well. So if his star goes out and scores two goals, a hat-trick, then it's all good. Because his star well, is happy. Because remember, it's... the manager is only, chast- is, is only chastising you because you're, you're playing badly. How, well, uh, here's what I would, I would ask. I don't know if you, if you have an answer, but how often do players respond well to open criticism? What's, what's, what's the name of the previous FIFA guy? Blatter. Blatter. When Blatter was comparing Cristiano and Messi, and Blatter was saying, you know, Cristiano, he's like a soldier, you know, very strict, very blah, blah. He hardly smiles. Whereas a Messi, he's a much more of a nicer guy. He wants to be a friend. And in the next game, Cristiano scored, like, I don't know, two goals or something. And he then sort of, like, mimicked, like, he then did, like, a salute. So basically, mimic what Blatter did. Mm. So that was him really responding mm-hmm. to how Blatter ousted him. And I'm sure Mourinho did something where Cristiano then answered like that. So I thought it has happened. That's why I said that when you brought up Cristiano's name, I was like, you know, I have seen something similar like that happen with him. Okay, but like, okay, so, when, when, the, when the shit hit the fan at Madrid, though, was Ronaldo on Mourinho's side during that kind of dressing room yeah, schism? Was, was he on the Casillas Ramos side or was he on the other one? To be honest, I don't think he was on, he was on, on any side. Oh, okay. I think he was just sort of like, because you know, with Cristiano, it's not really a guy who, he's on his side. <laughs> he's, he's on Cristiano's <laughs> side. But, you, know, I mean, you know what? I, I was looking at his it, stats. It, it, it I was looking at his stats. He has more than a one goal game in La Liga. Like, he averages more than one goal a game. Wait, but how many goals has he scored so far this season in La Liga? I have no idea, but he averages 50 goals a season for Madrid. Against Granada, Elche, <laughs> Rayo Vallecano. Great, great. The same teams Messi scores against that nobody seems to care. I always kind of thought the Liga goal tallies were a bit inflated anyway. No, 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 no I don't give a crap about that. Give me, sh- show me your World Cup medal and then we can talk. You want to go to Germany? Red Bull, man. Actually, do you, do you drink Red Bull? I do not. Like, too, 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 well, apparently it, it gives you wings, but... Um, I could do with a pair of wings. Um, the answer is no. They're not going to win the league, but it's it's a it's a great story. I mean, the Leicester City thing—that's a once in a lifetime story. Mm. Red Bull, they ain't doing it because I feel that you know what? It's what they're doing. It's amazing. It's great, but Leverkusen will make up ground. You know, because Leverkusen—I think Leverkusen are like later bloomers. They will make up that that ground. Dortmund eventually will get it together. They'll make up that ground. So I think. Those Red Bull guys, top four is possible. Like, I'm still going to keep with Dortmund first, Bayern second, Leverkusen third. Then why not Red, 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 Red Bull in fourth? So, you know, so, so a Champions League berth? Yeah, why not? I mean, it, it would be a good story. But also it makes me question, why are they the ones challenging Bayern and Dortmund isn't? For, for sort of in November, so the winter break is upon us. But I do believe that. Like Dortmund and Leverkusen have been have been have been slipping, hence why you know it's unfortunate that Dortmund and Leverkusen have just lost so many points. So things are really swinging heavily in Bayern's favor. But I just I do think that by January, February, Dortmund Leverkusen will make up that ground. But I just think that you've dropped so many points, so many points now that you know like Bayern again, man, they are favorites. 
happened with the Dortmund man. That's I'm very surprised. I mean, they did win. They scored five goals against yeah, yeah five, five hamburger. <laughs> Hamburg. I like for Dortmund. I um, it just pisses me off because like Daniel, imagine a Dortmund team with Lewandowski. If Maragosa had never left, if Kagawa had never left, and you and he puts Aubameyang up on there and all that kind of stuff, and this guy Dembele, you have an, an incredible team. He scored. He, you have he, an incredible. Obama, team. He scored four goals in forty minutes or something like that. It's crazy. Oh, Obama. Yeah. But it's like, but still, man. Imagine if they still had Lewandowski and Maragosa hadn't left, man. Imagine, imagine that that team. Or just imagine if Marco Royce could stay fit for more than five months at a time. Or, or, or if um, Gunnar Han could actually stay fit for the whole season and was still at Dortmund. You, or, you have an, an, or if Mkhitaryan had stayed. <laughs> yeah, look at that. For, no, no, for me, that guy is a clown. That guy is a clown. This, that guy is getting some hardcore karma. Just, just going back to the, to the conversation we had previously, what if mm-hmm. Mkhitaryan is one of those other players? Because the media only put out the England players, Smalling mm-hmm. and Shaw. Maybe because an international breaks out or whatever, but what if Mkhitaryan is another player that doesn't want to play because he doesn't feel a hundred percent fit? That that could be that could be that could potentially be something. I don't know if he had a preseason. I don't remember his situation with Dortmund. I don't, I don't but... No, no. If you've moved to Man United, you've already not played all these many games. Even if you're forty percent fit, you're like coach, put me in there because you were so desperate to make the move. You're like okay. Coach, put me in. I know I'm only forty percent fit. I'm still fit to go. You will lie and do everything because you wanna, you wanna, you wanna stake a claim. So I don't think Mkhitaryan is involved in that, based on how much he wanted to come to United. Are you done? <laughs> you finished or are you done? Yes, I'm finished and I am done. No, okay. I was looking up how much did Manchester United buy Mkhitaryan for, and then I was gonna see if I could make a point out of it. Because I have a slight suspicion that I know what's going on here. Are you wait, wait, they want to sell back or something for a profit? Or? All right, all right, all right, all right. Twenty-seven million they bought him for. Um, my suspicion. Well, I don't know. Now I'm thinking about it. What if they bought him just to sell him again? You know what I mean? Like he he was responsible for almost fifty goals last season, or over fifty goals wait, wait, for Dortmund wait, last year. Wait, to go- sell with goals and assists. Are you saying to sell him for a profit or just sell him? No, for a profit. How the hell are you going to sell him for a profit when the guy hasn't played? Because they bought him discounted. Do you know what I mean? Who is, wait, who is going to spend one cobble on a guy who hasn't played for the past two months, three months? People have already forgotten what this guy did, no, did for Dortmund. All the I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's that easy. I, I think you could still get $40 million for him. Oh, hell no. Hell no. No, 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 no. How much was he worth last summer? He wasn't worth twenty seven. He was only worth twenty seven because it was a cut rate deal. Of forty something. But as of right now, which club is willing to risk a guy who just hasn't played? I have no idea. It's the only thing that makes sense. Is that they kind of they're just stashed him away? Although, like, why isn't why isn't he playing? It doesn't make any sense. He's not injured. No, look, it is weird. I mean, like, no, but look, same thing with Mourinho. Like, you go a guy like the Bruyne. He hardly played it. And I look at what he is now. As much as I love him and everything, that Mourinho has done some major efforts, you know. He's done some, some major efforts, which he's got to just accept, you know. I just fully believe that this is similar to the De Bruyne and the Schroeder thing at Chelsea, that yeah. he's got 
a player who he knows is good. But he doesn't know how to use him. Mourinho's mind is that he just doesn't fit into the kind of team that he has. Because, like, look, he had De Bruyne and... Okay, fair enough. De Bruyne didn't really play that much. Every time Shola came onto the pitch, the guy was the guy was good. And the guy did really well. And he still sort of didn't really value him. So that may be a bit of a bad point, a negative attributes to Mourinho as a manager, you know, that's, you know, you don't really understand the talents that you have when you actually have it in your hands. I don't think he's dumb. Part of me thinks he knows what the player can do. But <laughs> you have to say like, oh, I don't think he's dumb. I mean, damn, I mean, that's pretty. No, it's, it's just like he understands what the player can do, but, it, but he just doesn't want it in the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, it's, no, it's, it's, he can clearly see, like, he saw De Bruyne was talented at Chelsea. He start like when Mourinho first got to Chelsea, De Bruyne started the first two or three um, league games. He mm-hmm. he played him ahead of forgetting who was in the team at that at that moment, but it was before yeah. he had brought Willie in or anybody from Andy Makalashkalila or wherever that Russian team name is. So he he's, he he wanted to play De Bruyne, but then I think he realized. Oh, he played him ahead of Mata, I think. So, so he realized De Bruyne's talent, and he wanted to play him. But I think the more he played him, the more he realized, I don't want a player like this to make the team work. Mm. And Mourinho's idea of making a team work isn't, let me get all the creative players I can put in and see if I can you know, create 35 chances a game. His is, let's consolidate the chances in the game. Let's create the best, but let's not create like a wild, wild west attitude, you know? And De Bruyne doesn't fit into that. No, look, it's very simple. It's like, all that matters is you're getting a team that works. Hmm. It's not about, oh, let me just get all the best players into that team. Like, sometimes, it, like, you're looking at a guy like Neville. Neville was not a great player. But he just worked for Ferguson. You know? But again, he was just, he was not a great, he was not a great right back. So, for Mourinho, he, was okay. he has all this money. Thank you. He's gonna build it. So, yeah, it was okay. Like, really, he's all this money. He's gonna build a squad, and he said, "No, I wanted my squad, like literally, every like as many quality players in my squad as possible." But when you now have your twenty-five, you now have to cut down that twenty-five to an eleven, mm. and that eleven is all about a team that is balanced and just works for you. So it's not about okay, no, no, this player is really good. Let me just put him in there. No, like if it doesn't work, based and if the player imbalances the particular kind of synergy we've seen, then he just can't get into the, 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 the team. So he knows this player is good, but for the, the way United are playing, Mkhitaryan actually doesn't fit into the team. Because of how they are playing and how he set them up, Mkhitaryan doesn't fit there. Mm. Based on how Mkhitaryan plays, he doesn't really fit into this, the way that United are playing. Because Mkhitaryan fits much more better into a team that plays a lot quicker and a lot faster and a lot more direct. Yeah. But United don't really play that quick, that direct. It's a lot more measured, which, which is why I said that, you know, Mourinho, if you're buying Mkhitaryan, you have to play a certain way. So you've got to play on the counter-attack. You're not going to play quick, quicker. You've actually, they've actually got to be a lot more energy into the team because that is how this guy plays. So... Which is why I gave him Marine, okay, why would you buy a player, but you're not going to... Because when you're buying a player, you, you buy him because you, you know he's good and everything else, but you have to buy a player who fits into your team. 
So what we have is that if Poly Plyoko actually doesn't fit into because I see how your team is playing, and I'm like, yeah, Mikatara doesn't fit in here. I, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Literally, you know. Uh, I'm trying to look up the team that Mourinho fielded yesterday. Oh yeah, well, no, what's it? I think I remember. So yeah, Ibrahimovic, Pogba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the Eric, yeah, the the ancillary players. I think he played Rooney, Mata, and Carrick. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The team: Carrick, Fellaini, Mata, Pogba, Rooney, Ibrahimovic, with Blind, Lingard, Martial, and Rashford on the bench. The team he's playing, I mean, in terms of pace and in terms of speed, might as well be in like a senior citizen's home. Like Ibrahimovic isn't isn't fast. Rooney's not. Pogba, okay, but Mata, Fellaini, and Carrick. This is a game Mourinho had to win. If he loses this game, I don't want to say he's in crisis mode, but it, 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 would have, it wouldn't have been good for him. So the team he put out was one that he thought would get a result, and to be fair, it did. But it goes against the kind of counterattacking speed that you need where, mm-hmm. like, if you say Mkhitaryan plays well on the counter, I could argue so does Rashford. So would Lingard, so would Martial. Literally, you just planted a seed into my brain just right now. Like, Daniel... Imagine a front line of Martial, Rashford, and, and Mkhitaryan. You would have all the counterattacking pace that you needed, as well as the creativity and goals. Completely but, changes the way that your team just plays. That's why I just said drop Ibrahimovic that. two weeks ago. And that's why I'm wondering where Mkhitaryan is, because I'm like, surely he could see this, that that, that would be a front line. I don't know that it, it can win you a league just yet. Because I don't oh, know if you, I, no, 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 just let me finish. I don't know if you can put that pressure on Rashford and Martial because they're not over 21 years old, but that can get you in the top four for sure. For sure. For sure. Honestly, Daniel, the sick thing is this. The sick thing is this Mkhitaryan is built for the premiership. I don't know if that's necessarily true because we haven't fucking seen him. I'm saying based off what I saw in Dortmund. Okay. I, Premiership is end-to-end. The fans demand that you run. The fans demand that the, the games are very open. The fans do not want a tactical game that is close and that and that's very tight. They demand a lot of running, and that is what most teams do. And you look at Mkhitaryan, the guy is very direct. The guy likes to play on the counter-attack. The guy likes to play end-to-end. The guy is willing to run up and down. The guy gets himself in very good positions from the halfway line into the box to try and finish. So he is built for how premiership games run. Mm. So it's like, I mean, man, you know, it's... Um, All right, so uh, if there are 90 minutes in a game, doing this math on the fly, and mm. 11 games have been played, that is 990 minutes. How many minutes do you think of 990 that Heinrich Mkhitaryan has played for United this season in the Premier League? He's played 107 out of nine, out of almost a thousand. He's played 10 percent of, and that's not including like stoppage time, but we don't have time for that. So, 10, 10 percent. He's featured in 10 percent. He's started one game and subbed on three times. It seems a waste, but like I said, the only thing that I can think is maybe it wasn't a Mourinho signing after all. Maybe it was just United's board thinking, hey, we have a good player. Maybe we can put him in the team, and if he works, he works. If he doesn't, we can sell him on. Eh, maybe, which, 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 which is very stupid. 
Um, we're going to run out of time before we do questions. So you want to get to some questions? All right, man. Let me bring out my Amazon Fire, which um, was very affordable, and I recommend it to anyone out there, you know. Um, all right. Where are we? Twitter. Okay. And, uh, and I'm not going to answer any, any tricky questions. Okay, so why is Iniesta not a dark horse? Or oh, I think maybe he's a, a horseman. Mm-hmm. Such a joy to watch. He's even won all the titles. He should definitely be top five of all time. That's that's a question for you because they're they're your horsemen. So I'll no no no, 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 no. Let's, I want to focus on should he be top five all time? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, so you say no? Uh, no, uh, no, all time. I mean, like to be honest, like nah, I, I can't put in top five all time. Maybe we could talk top five central midfielders. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but top five yeah, in yeah, all yeah. positions. I mean, like, like off his generation. I mean, he's definitely top five of his yes. generation. Yes, 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 yes. If you want to all time, go, that's going back to like eighteen sixty or something. Like no. <laughs> Basically, there were still slaves when football started. So that's how long ago we're talking. Not that it's long in a historical context, but just in a contemporary one. So there's no way that he's top five all time. But if you just want to take the 2000s, maybe there's an argument. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, of all time, I mean, look. 21st century. Yeah. You can argue. No, no, no. I've grown to really respect what Iniesta does. I mean, like, because before I was like, okay, this guy, why is he really that good? And in my mind, it's like, Daniel, man, does Messi score all those goals without Iniesta? Or Xavi? Because it was Iniesta and Xavi. Yeah, but for me, like, you look at a lot of the, of the goals they scored, Iniesta was pretty much involved in about 80% or 70% of them. And I would say Xavi was probably involved in I Like, I always rated Xavi over Iniesta anyway. Some of it biased, but... Really? I loved his past first mentality. Like <laughs> he could have an open goal and he would just pass it anyway. Like <laughs> I always, I always found him amusing and funny. Plus he looks he looks funny to me. So I just I gravitated more toward him than Iniesta. But I don't doubt that Iniesta has he's he's probably the better player. But uh, and mm-hmm. also Iniesta's move that he does to create space where he shifts the ball from I think it's the croquetta. But he shifts the ball from left yeah. to right or right to left. It's an amazing move that creates space. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'll tell you no, I'll tell you this. Iniesta has probably one of the best control of the football that I've ever seen in my life of any yeah. player. As far as I just did the control of the ball. It's his control, but it's also he knows what the defender will do before he does it. And then his control allows mm-hmm. him to counter whatever the defender does. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's genius. Like, it's the you only know way you can hard, describe it, really. Because like, I've, I've played with guys, not so, obviously on this level, but sort of similar. Guys <laughs> <and laughs> like that. I thought you were like, like, I've played with guys like him. Nobody on this level. Okay, let's, okay he can be a player. Like, I, mean, like, I was about to say, I like, double H, were you in the were you in La Mesa? Or La Massa? Were you in the... Yeah, I was actually. Yeah, man. Yeah, we, we were cool, man. We had to get a lot of tapas, all that kind of stuff. It was all right, man, man. So yeah, okay. uh, so 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 top five all time. No, top five twentieth century. There's probably an argument or twenty first oh, yeah. century. Excuse me. Um, one of our regular viewers, man, Rahimsky. 
in a tournament that's only included your Pankis's Bayern, Pep's Barca, Ancelotti's Madrid, and Mourinho's Inter, who would win? What was the third team? Mourinho's Inter. No, I heard that one. There, so, there, 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 there were four teams. I heard Jupp Heikis's Bayern, Pep's Barca, Mourinho's Inter. Real Madrid. Ancelotti's Real Madrid, okay. Oh, fourth, I would put Ancelotti's Real Madrid. Mm. Third, <laughs> um, I'd probably put Barcelona. <laughs> Second. No, no, no. We're, actually, we're, we're actually all we're actually on the same page so far. Okay, second, I would put... This is a tough one. This is hard. Okay, I would put, I would put Mourinho's Inter second, and what? I would put Heinkes' Bayern first, considering they should have won two straight Champions Leagues other than Didier Drogba doing madness. But there's a strong argument that Mourinho's Inter is one of the best teams I've ever seen, given just that starting 11 and the management that went around it. Like, do you know why I would put... Mourinho's Inter, and this is not even being biased. Why? The thing with Mourinho's Inter is that, like, which is what I said, that was, it was like it was just the perfect team. Because like Bayern, obviously they had Ribery, they had Schweinsteiger. How good was their defense? Was their defense really that impenetrable? Because Inter's defense was perfection. Mm. Their midfield was fully robust, and their attack, and they had basically they had everything. You had your playmaker Schneider, you had your killer finisher Melito, you had your attack. So you had your strong midfielder in um, Stankovic and all those boys. You for me, freaking um, yeah, like Cambiasso and Zanetti as well. Yes, uh, oh yeah, Cambiasso and Zanetti. But what's it called? Um, Lucio and Samuel. Those guys mm. were a freaking war. Those guys were a bloody. So who was the goalkeeper of that team? Wait, was it? It wasn't. Was it Toldo? You couldn't tell. I've been Toldo. I'm afraid. Wait, who was it? Oh yes, yes. Um, Julio Cesar. Yeah. The okay. Yeah. 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 So that team was just legit, man. So I'd have to say Mourinho's inside. That would be an amazing game, though. Like, <laughs> between no, the Bayern. Yeah, no, because you would, have, yeah. you would have the defense of Mourinho and then Robin, Ribery, uh, Muller, Schweinsteiger. Oh, no, 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 it would be a beautiful match. It literally a beautiful football match. So, mm-hmm. so you say you wanted to ask a question? or? Oh, yeah. I might have lost the question, though. But uh, I, can put, I can get it back. It wasn't, it wasn't added to us. Directly, oh. but uh, I can pull it back. It's a it's a new person, so I wanted to make sure I got. Caught Alan Andrews, I believe he's from Australia. So shout out Australia. I didn't know we had oh, this. Yeah. Like, if you look, like we have a we have we have listeners in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, basically everywhere where they speak English. Germany. Uh, I, I saw something from like India, Saudi Arabia. Like, wow, we're worldwide, man. We're worldwide. <laughs> Uh, so, Alan's question is, should Alexis and Ozil leave Arsenal if they don't win the league this year? They're in their peak years, so time is precious. So, so basically, if Arsenal don't win the league, should Ozil and Sanchez leave? <laughs> All right, so, um, so, no, no. First, I, first think... I would say, where would they go if they left? And then second, should they leave? For Ozil... Bayern is the only place that Ozil can go. You know, three and and I think for Alexis Juventus, um, that's interesting. Very well. Remember, he knows the Serie, he knows the league, and he would. I think he would work well with Juventus. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine if Ozil went to Bayern. Uh, you say Neymar should go to Madrid. So imagine Real Madrid buy Neymar for like two hundred million. 
and then mm. Barcelona buy back Sanchez. That'd be fucking great. I don't think it will happen though because for some reason, like Messi, it won't happen. But I'm just saying, I could. That's the only way I could see Sanchez going back to Barcelona is if Neymar left. But anyway, um, see, I I don't think Sanchez wouldn't he want to speak Spanish though? You think he'd just want to go to Italy? Do you know this guy Bigarin Udinese? I know, but like, would he want to go back? Yeah, why not? He would just seem like somebody who would take his money that he got from Arsenal and just go back to Chile. Especially for Juventus, it seems like that with the kind of history they have. And also, if it's desperate for silverware, hmm. Juventus is Because, like, Arsenal are not winning the league with Juventus. <laughs> people need to accept that as a fact. I know. So. It's, it's telling that neither of them have signed a contract extension by now, isn't it? Yeah, well, because, because no, no, think- fans are like, look, we need to sign Cazola before the January window where he can just sign a free contract. We need mm. to sign Ozo. We need to sign Sanchez. So there are some big players that Wenger needs to get a contract, and none of them have signed yet. So it seems to me, oh, 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 of those three players, who's more important to Arsenal moving forward, Sanchez, Ozo, or Cazola? Or Cazola? Sanchez. See, I would say Ozo, just for, like, the brand. Sanchez. Sanchez Buffet does too much. Because remember, <laughs> like, people's criticism of thing was like, I said, okay, Ozil not doing too well. And guys were saying, oh, look at who Ozil is, is passing to in Shiro Shiro. You know, because Ozil is at the behest of who he, he passes the ball to. Okay. Sanchez is his own engine. This yeah. is not going to be given service. He'll create his own goal. He's himself. I was watching... Sanchez intently against Tottenham, and the way he w- the way he puts himself around the pitch, I could imagine if you're if you're an Arsenal supporter and you watch it all the time, maybe you could get used to it, you know. But for someone who doesn't watch every Arsenal game, when you just watch Sanchez play, hmm. how he must feel the day after the game. I well, I, I know obviously they have you know trainers and they can put you in ice baths and massages and all this kind of stuff, but he must feel wrecked after every match they play because the way he puts himself around the pitch as a center forward as well, you don't like as as someone who played recreational football, right? Mm. Everyone who's a striker, they're normally like super lazy and nobody really gets on them because you want them to be where uh, they can receive the ball, lay it off to people. So you want them to be basically in a serviceable area, right? So if they're not crazy running around like a headless chicken, you kind of let them get on with it, you know? But the way Sanchez, he'll be in his own box trying to win the ball back and start counterattacks and get forward. And, like, you don't need to, you don't need to do all this. But that's just how he's wired. It mentally. The jungle, no, you, you can never change chairs. Chairs is from the jungle. And a guy from the jungle, <laughs> that's how. No, I'm just looking at him like, you don't need to be this hyper. <laughs> but, and that's, but he, he, that's, that's, just, that's who he is. Have you seen the size of his, of his thighs? Have you seen the size of this guy? The guy is from the flipping jungle. So it's like, I'm sorry. That's just what, that's what, 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 what you get. Which is why I love him so much because he gives so much of an effort mm. and he puts 2,000% in every game that this is what's a professional. Like you, you, when you say, okay, yes, these guys are all overpaid and everything, but when a guy gives that much of an effort in every game, You've just got to just up, up, applaud. You have to mm. applaud. And so, say, uh, this so is- just, yeah, I guess this, this could be our last thing. So Hazard has now decided to show up, which means mm-hmm. Hazard versus Sanchez has now decided to come back. Um, Hazard? 
I don't know if it ever left the whole Sanchez versus Hazard argument, right? But uh, is is there any way Hazard can overtake Sanchez in your mind? No. So he so he well, can. Well, actually, no, 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 no. So sorry, correction. Um, yes, there is um, consistency and doing it for Belgium. So if if he well, see this is I always hear people say Sanchez won two Copa Americas, rah rah rah, right? Which is easier to win? Uh, the Copa America or the Euro? It's not fair. It's 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 totally not a fair comparison. It's not it's not the winning. It's the per, it's a performance. Like Sanchez's performance since 2010. Stop it! Stop. No 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 no. Because no no no. I'm being real. His performance. Messi 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 plays well in the Copa Americas. Hazard, I think, has had maybe one or two good games for Belgium. De Bruyne has always been the star player for Belgium. Always. He's always I been. I don't, I don't disagree. So. How, and for me, like I told you, Sa- basically the, the first time I ever knew of Sanchez was 2010 for for Chile in the World Cup. So this guy has always a ball for Chile. Hazard has had maybe two good games for Belgium, whereas like De Bruyne consistently has always been like one of the best players for Belgium every time they they, they play. So for Hazard, it's simple: more consistent for for Chelsea. Um, you 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 need more big time games for Belgium. Okay, so what what, what has Sanchez done? At club level, despite um, Wenger restricting a football club for winning the title, Chess has, has been like has been pretty much like a one man army for Arsenal. First of all, Chess bowled for Udinese, single handedly getting them to the top three in the table. Okay, despite what people will say, Chess still bowled for Barcelona. Watch his chip in the El Clasico. Okay, and you're looking for Arsenal. Chess, you take ask any Arsenal fan, take Chess out of Arsenal, they're screwed. Has okay, but has he ever won a league for a team? Hazard has won two league titles in his career, and you could argue he was the catalyst in both for Lille in 2010-2011 and for Chelsea in 2014-15. He basically won those two teams the league. Those are amazing, particular performance. Up no, 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 no. This is a season-long effort. This is from August till June. You you gave me one example of a chip in the El Clasico, okay? Where Alexis Sanchez has done amazing things. I don't argue that he's not a fantastic player, and I, if you gave me the choice, I'd probably rather have Sanchez in my team than Hazard. We've had this argument that Hazard needs the stars to align for for him to be effective. But when he is, or or when they do, there's few better players. I'm looking at it and I'm like, Hazard has done markedly more in his career. What is the question? I start to understand. What is the question? Is that I say who is more effective? Who is better? Okay, what is the exact question? Then I can and I can answer. What is the exact question? <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's a question. I'm just saying the argument is the thing Sanchez has won. Speaking in the club context, when you compare it to what Hazard has won, Hazard has been more effective in those trophies, or he's he was the instrumental component in the things that he's won, where Sanchez isn't. Or hasn't been, but and that still is not. A and good also, and also, no, no, no. Also, the argument is the other argument is Hazard has won two league titles. Sanchez has won one, I think, and that's with the caveat of Lionel Messi and the embarrassment of riches that Barcelona had at the time. So, no, no, no. For me, my thing is that, yeah. One hundred percent. I give credit for Hazard winning those league titles for Lille and for and for Chelsea. 
But that is not enough for me to say categorically he's now better than Sanchez. Because for because if I'm looking for player to play, because for Hazard, you could say, okay, he was instrumental. I For me, I can come around and say, oh, no, he was in a very good system. A very important part okay. of the system, but he was still dependent on a coach being right. Freaking Udinese, give me a break. What the, a child single-handedly took those guys to, 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 to top three. Udinese in Philil. Who do you think Udinese is more talented? Who do you think is more talented? Sanchez. Sanchez is just a lot more than is, is a lot more dynamic. As in, okay. Sanchez can either be very well in a tactical system. He can either be very well as an individual. So basically, I as a manager, I'm like for for Sanchez. I know that I can coach him to do a role, and he can listen to me, and he will work hard. Or this guy can go out and just do something beyond me giving him instructions. He can take hold of the game and just do something crazy to help me win a game. For Hazard, he is dependent on me. Mm. So I know that I have to make sure that I tell him exactly what needs to be done because he will not go outside that's, of the box of the that's, instructions. That's not always true because I think we saw last season that Mourinho was dependent on Hazard, wasn't he? Like if Hazard decided well, to show well, up, well, 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 like well, Mourinho, you said, Mourinho wouldn't have well, been well, set. still created the environments for Hazard to flourish. He still created true. environments for him to flourish. But then he, as but, then, you, but then Hazard created Mourinho's eventual downfall by Wenger deciding... doesn't do tactics. So a lot of times, Sanchez has, has had to pretty much create goals out of nothing because Wenger doesn't do tactics. That's all. He doesn't do tactics. Doesn't Sanchez play in the system at Arsenal and even at Barcelona that wants you to play an open, expansive, free game? Whereas Hazard has was limited playing left back. This debate will still rage on, man. And for me, I'm still, I'm still on the Sanchez camp. I'm still hashtag chairs, man. Hashtag chairs. Well, see, oh, no, no. I, I asked, I asked who was more talented. You said Sanchez. Mm. My next question is, who's the better footballer? You would say Sanchez, correct? Um. Oh, so you have a bit of. Doubt. You, you, see, I see what I've, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to think think about that, you know. Because right. again, like, if you want to just say best footballer, I want to say, okay, let me say both of them at their heights. And mm-hmm. both of them at their heights. That's, you know, I mean, arguably, you could say maybe Hazard edges at Sanchez, just as far as technically on a footballing level, mm-hmm. probably Hazard. Okay. And then the last question I had is who has, the, who has had the better career so far? So, is this so? So yeah, well, you could you could say Hazard if you if you if you're depending that on trophies won, medal. You know, it's because I'm sorry, man. You can you can say okay, no South America is nothing. Sue Copa America titles back to back, and and let me add, Chile had the, never ever won the Copa America ever before. One of those Copa history. Americas is a funny one because it's centenario. That's nonsense. It's it's just, still, oh, it's a hundred oh, years, so let's have one. Give me a break. It still counts. It still counts. <laughs> It's it's still a legitimate one, but I'm just saying the foundation of that trophy is a bit suspect in my mind, just because a hundred years you want to have one. But uh, yeah, so I I would say who's more talented? I would say Sanchez. Who's the better footballer? I would say Sanchez. But uh, who's had the better career so far? Especially just if you want to look at club football. Then wait, it's, wait, wait, it's, wait, wait it's, it's Eden Hazard. Have we have we been going for two hours? No, I don't think. I don't know. I, we I, I've I've lost track of time. So yeah, because it's almost it's almost eleven thirty now, and we started at like half nine or something. So the look the hazard sounds look it's a very interesting little bit. But bottom line, 
who would I rather have on my team? Sanchez all day, every day. This very moment, who would you rather have? Like right now, like going from the Everton game and the Tottenham game, who would you rather have? Um, oh no, as of right now. Um, I'd, I'd rather right have Hazard, Hazard right now. Yeah, as of right now, Hazard. Okay. But I'm not a guy that just goes on the moment. Right. I go overall because even for Hazard, who knows? He'll probably start playing crap. Last, and... last point quickly though. Hazard 25, Sanchez is going to turn 28 next month. So there is a three-year gap in age. It's not like Hazard does have that time to grow. So maybe he'll grow into... I've always no, said that. No, no, no. no. Let me say, Hazard will never be able to be the kind of thug kind of player that's Sanchez. I'm, I will always have it in, in, in my corner, not Hazard. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I've yeah. always argued that Hazard doesn't have the greed or the, the inner killer necessary to be... Oh, you know, no, no, no way, no way, no way. You no. know, at the top, top, top level to challenge. Because there was times when people would say, oh, he's going to be on the next Messi, Ronaldo. He's going to be on that level. I always no. said he... <laughs> He's, he's, he, wow, clowns, man, clowns. He doesn't have that killer instinct that you need. But in, in the correct system, he is he's more than useful. He's instrumental, I would say. But, uh, yeah, I think we've gone for long enough. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, apologies to any questions we don't get to. I mean, there's a lot that we need to get to, and we don't have a lot of time. So, anyway. Anything you got to plug, Double H? You're at 4,000 subscribers on YouTube, or? Well, getting there, edging, edging towards a slowly you, you feeling good? Mm, well, I'll feel better when Bill Gates gives, gives me that 2.5 billion he owes me, so. <laughs> what, what does he owe you for? For being a, a nice friend, sweet and <laughs> lovely, all that kind of stuff. Yo, so. I read something about Bill Gates where he's not going to give his kids his fortune. He's going to just give good. it to charity. What? Why? Yes, let those guys walk their damn cash, man. If no, if Bill, sorry, if Bill Gates was your, no no no, if Bill Gates was your dad and he said, "I'm gonna give the sixty billion to charity, and you're just gonna have to work," <laughs> I'd be like, I'll, "Nah, bro." I'll be like, "Fair enough." I'll be like, "No, fair enough, Dad." Okay, just give me one one bill, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> what? Can I just get like half half a percentage of that? I don't even know if it's sixty. It might be worth more than that now. It might be like eighty or something. Anyway. Um, this is Talking Texas Podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter. Um, subscribe at the iTunes store. Uh, you, all you got to do is just type in Talking Tactics. We will pop up. Hit subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us a like. Give us a share. Um, all you can do is appreciate it. Um, anything else I'm missing, Double H? Um, we will be trying to carry on our um, Talking Tactics extra thing. So we may do another one sometime this week just to expand things for the real hardcore fans you know so again we could talk about racism life the space ancient egypt history philosophy we're definitely going to be talking about that uh whatever whatever happens on tuesday i think i think we're going to have something to talk about oh yeah 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 so so so, so we might we might drop it sometime this week but Yeah. yeah man look man just remember like the freaking podcast like it share it on twitter that's a key thing like and share like and share the more yeah. you share, the more we expand the people who, who listen to this so yeah yeah man talking test podcast sometimes funny sometimes serious always foot freaking ball thank you guys for listening we'll see you next tuesday peace Podcast Network.